0: Wynn and I want to express our gratitude for every one of our listeners. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and sharing this space with us each week. We are now offering an opportunity to work with Win or myself individually in a deeper look towards what's true about life and who you really are. If you'd like to know more, email me or Wynn for more details. In a three-day dive under the noise, anything is possible. Let's find out. Now onto
1: the podcast. Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the noise... With Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's episode of Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my amazing co host, Kate Roberts. Hello, Kate. Hey, Wynne. Hi, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good.
1: Good. So, we had a quick chat before you pressed record about what we might talk about today. And, uh, and it was really well, apart from a recent guest we had, um, so the, the two, Two thoughts sprung to mind about this one. One, a a conversation with a client about the podcast, and one as a jump off from the conversation we had with a recent guest, Terry Whiteman. And it was around the notion of trying to feel better. And often what we do is we, um, well, I do this, and a few other people have confessed to doing the same, is that... They do things in order to feel better. And the, the person regarding the podcast said to me, well, I've been listening to your podcast and it isn't working. And I thought, well, that's a curious thing to say. I mean, what's it designed to work? Uh, it, does it fix your car? Does it clean the kitchen? What? don't be a dumb, <clears throat> no. Well, I hoped it would make me feel better. Listening to the podcast, well, it it might, but it wouldn't be the cause of feeling better. But I also then kind of reflected on it and thought, what are all the things that I have done and still do because I think they will make me feel better? And it's something that, um, in the conversation with Terry, a recent guest, which was trying to use the understanding of the three principles. In order to feel better, to raise my mood, to have an insight—I don't know—to have more of the things I want and less of the things I don't. So that's what came to mind. And when I brought that up, you said, "Okay, let's go for it." So I
0: also said, "Does that ever work?"
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you did. Does that that ever work? work? (laughs) Yeah, and I think my answer was, "Hell no." But But if it does.
0: Not from a place where I don't constantly try. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's not, uh, I'm not trying to deceive anyone. I'm constantly trying to do something or see something or hear something or be something or have something that I think somehow
2: will make me feel better.
1: Well, that's a great list. Um, that's (laughs) Pretty much everything I try to.
2: <laughs> I think some so there's
1: of... an ex- in my mind, there's an exception to this, right?
3: Yeah. Coffee in the morning. Mm.
1: Coffee in the morning. But I'm going to disqualify myself because there are some mornings where I know I'm better off with green tea as my first hot drink of the day, not coffee. If
4: I'm feeling, I don't know what the word would be, not not tired so much, but if I feel
1: unwell. If I've got a headache, the best thing for me is green tea. So there I go. I said, there's an exception in life and it's coffee in the morning. And I've just said, nope, even that isn't true. hundred percent of the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm going to shut up now because evidently I'm making less sense with every <laughs> word. That comes out of my mouth right now. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Kate, which is what I do, but I don't often have that caveat that I just said. What do you think, Kate?
0: Man, I think that we could, as human beings, really take anything,
2: anything, and make it the thing that our minds think is going to make us feel better.
3: Mm.
0: I don't, it doesn't seem to me like it's off limits. Just like, I don't think that there's anything that we can't use against ourselves.
4: (laughs) It's so interesting.
1: What do you mean by that?
2: Well, I mean, you can take,
0: um, let's say you put a lot of effort and energy into work,
2: which in one moment, our experience is that I'm fulfilled. This this
0: outside of me fulfills me. Mm. This says something about me. This business, this work that I do, this effort that I'm putting in, my my doing this. And then in another moment, uh, I work too hard. I work too hard and now I need a break. And I don't know why I do this to myself and why don't I listen to my, you know, and then now it's this completely different experience of the same thing. And I think as human beings, for whatever reason, our our minds can put meaning on it, whether it's the thing that's going to make us feel better or using it to somehow make us feel like we're lacking in some way or... Maybe we don't work hard enough. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I just think our minds can get really creative in our stories and of what things mean, the meaning that they have, what they say about us. You know, food could be something. I mean, that's a pretty easy example. People can make themselves feel very good or think that somehow that's
2: the thing that's going to make them feel or use it to punish ourselves
3: in yeah. some way. Yeah.
2: Or
0: think about it, like overthink what we put into our bodies so much that it
2: takes any enjoyment out of it
0: whatsoever.
2: It's, uh, man, this moment to moment,
4: just creative gift.
2: it didn't always feel like a gift.
4: That, to me, is what makes
1: the question nonsensical. Mm. Trying to feel better. Move this current emotion, sensation, feeling into something else.
2: Yeah.
1: When the fact of having a feeling and a sensation and an emotion is a miracle in itself, in my opinion,
4: it's a miracle that we get to feel. And here
1: I am, spoiled brat that I can be entitled son of a gun, thinking that I shouldn't feel this. And then I want to shoo it away with something. And then wonder why that doesn't work. And then I double down on the feeling bad about stuff. I mean, the premise is not that I see it like this 90% of the time, right? So... I still will do things in order to feel better. Yet, the truth is, is that I don't need to do anything because the feeling, as you said, is the, is the gift. It will change. Every feeling is phenomenal in itself. And then I can be aware of the fact that I can feel things. To be that conscious over the fact that I can feel based upon my thought created reality as opposed to my experiences. So my my conditions or my circumstances and my circumstances aren't the cause of what I feel. So to use an example, and it came to mind when you talked about soon as you said the word food, I remembered what I used to do. Right. So this is true. This is confessions of Wynne Morgan. <laughs> oh, 2023, right?
0: Let me move on closer so I can. Yeah.
1: Keep- all right. <laughs> put one of those screens across now. You can- <laughs> My like priest or priestess. I think, I don't know if that's a word or even politically correct these days. So excuse me if I've offended anyone, I'm good at it. So, you know, sorry. Um, if I had a bad day, I would stop, stop off at my local supermarket and I would buy a pack of white chocolate chip cookies. And they would not, the whole pack would not last an hour. And they were the, the ones that they'd bake in the bakery in the supermarket. And they used to come in packs of six. And then they realized that uh, they needed to make more money. So they made them into packs of five for the same price, right? But either way, five or six, geez, they'd be devoured and all I'd have was a few crumbs. But I'd empty the paper full of full of crumbs into my mouth because that was my coping mechanism for feeling bad white chocolate chip cookies. Horrific for me. Yeah, really horrible. Beyond what they would do in in the kind of the taste buds in my mouth, beyond that sensation. So swallowing the darn things was a disaster zone because then I got addicted to sugar, probably got gluten intolerance and all that kind of stuff flying around. And the fact that I was feeling bad anyway then, well, anything I ate wasn't going to be settling that particularly well. And I would be in that spiral for, I don't know how many years, a long time, until relatively recently, I think. I can't remember the last time I did it, but I allowed myself to take that one hit of that vice of the white chocolate chip cookies. About 10 years ago, I remember doing it, knowing that it was just a hit. And I did the same thing. Cookie Monster had nothing on me. Cookie Monster is a fraud compared to the way that I would devour these massive saucer-sized freaking white chocolate chip cookies, five of them, and then get the paper bag and get the crumbs in my mouth. Yeah, and then feel like I wanted to throw up for the next six hours because of how much sugar and flour and whatever else they put
4: in those things. Funny. And... What
1: a, what a strange thing for me to do in order to have a better emotional feeling than to think the answer was in white chocolate chip cookies. From perspective, that makes no sense whatsoever. But heck, I know comfort eating doesn't have to be white chocolate chip cookies. It can be anything. I can comfort eat really well. And I'm really glad I'm not giving myself a hard time Right now, for all the times I still have done it and will
4: still err into, you know, taking a shot
1: of a vice that, let's face it, doesn't harm anyone, not even me really. (laughs) I think I've joked before that the more I have of those things, such as ice cream, pizza, less of on the sugary stuff, but only ice cream and, and pizza in the last few years, the more I eat, the less well no the more I eat those things my clothes get smaller they shrink that's the only effect I've really seen eating that stuff shrinks my clothes <laughs> finally the penny drops
3: <laughs> that
0: took me a second I don't know why Yeah. yeah.
1: and if you're still wondering at home or in the car or wherever you're listening to this what I mean yeah just pause and it'll come to you <laughs> Anyway, I've been rambling and I've given my confession. Okay, what's my um, penance?
3: You know,
0: the the only thing that showed up for me while you were saying that,
2: I was thinking about yoga. Like I've done, um, I guess, some
0: version of like hot yoga on and off for I don't know, I mean, now it's probably nine years, maybe.
2: Not consistently, necessarily, but. And I remember in the beginning, when I first fell in love with it, I can remember having thoughts like, you know, if if I'm doing yoga every day,
0: then I don't have to think about what I'm eating as much. I, I've tied them together. I don't know why. It's a weird thought. Like, Hey, you know, if I'm doing this and I love it and I'm doing it every day, I think less about what I'm eating, you know, to kind of balance um, weight or whatever. And at one point in, in the very beginning, that kind of made sense to me. And then later on, other thoughts about, oh, you know, I would have these like conversations about going, and it didn't feel like love anymore, because I had thought my way out of my love relationship with it.
2: I'd ever thought it, and I stopped because i I didn't feel good anymore, yeah, the, not the yoga,
0: the overthinking, the conversation. and for some reason, it just didn't make sense anymore, and so I just Started
2: going without a conversation about it in my head. And I found love again. Mm. And it made me think about something that I had read recently. And I have
0: a few books happening, so I don't actually remember where, what book it was. But I remember in the book I was reading about the relationship that we have with everything especially with that deeper part of us as the most important relationship, but we have a relationship with everything and the evolution of some relationships, like my relationship with yoga, but I don't think I would have ever. And what's funny is that I say that and I just caught myself because it had absolutely nothing to do with yoga or what I was eating or any of it. It was my relationship
2: with thought Mm. which is all it ever is i guess
4: the
3: only
0: just saw it right when i was saying it i don't usually have insights in the middle of our conversations
2: when but that was it but maybe i have a relationship with yoga i don't know but that wasn't it that was my thought. Which yeah. is so cool. And you
0: know, and the the more that just didn't make sense anymore, the more I love whatever I'm doing. And what's really cool
2: about this conversation that we have when it's there it was no decision. Say more. I don't I mean, I don't remember having a decision about
0: like, I'm not going to have this conversation in my head anymore. Like, I didn't think that. Mm. I didn't try to not have a dialogue. Like so many things in this, it just, for whatever reason, just didn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And I found that when I didn't have it, I went and I had a good time. Yeah, but it wasn't a decision not to think or overthink or not think at all. It didn't feel that way. It just didn't make sense.
1: I remember someone I was working with a while ago, and I'm going back maybe six years now, since I first um, met this chap, and he came for, for anxiety, help with anxiety. And he had found um, running as the antidote but he came to me because he couldn't run because of an injury. And because he couldn't run, anxiety was a huge problem, in his words, in his world, in his, in his way of seeing. And if I remember, there was an ankle and shin splints that was going on from a guy who was probably in his early 40s, if I recall then. And, well, I can't run, so I better get some help. This was what was going on for this guy. So we had a number of sessions and um, he realized that it was never running. That was the, the solution. It wasn't the antidote. What it did was it would take his mind off himself. He wasn't thinking about anxious thoughts when he was running because he was running. But he became a running addict to the extent that his injuries were be- was because he was running so darn much. He would be running in the morning and the evening, before and after work every day, at least six days a week. And he was, you know, one way he said it, I think he actually used this phrase with me once, I've been running away from my problems. That's mm-hmm. how he described it. There must be another way. What was fascinating was, if I remember about a year later, he started a running club. But it was running for the enjoyment of it, as opposed to getting away from a feeling. So doing something because we just like it, as opposed to we need it. Going back to exactly the same example with you, yoga, as opposed to the the balancing off the yin, the yin and the yang of whatever else we've got going on in our life. And also something else that you said that reminded me of we're talking about a few minutes earlier today. The relationship with thought is the only relationship we've we've
4: got, really. Not from the thing. in the
1: relationship with a feeling that we want to change. Because if it's true, right? So for you listening, just take this as a hypothesis, remember. If it's true that what we feel as human beings comes from thought in the moment, if it's true that thought constantly will change
4: then there is nothing to do with an emotion
1: because it will change of its own accord yet what I know that a lot of us do and I put me in this category too is because I have a feeling that's familiar I think that has meaning to it as opposed to
4: a feeling that comes and goes I've put wait on that emotion put meaning on it
1: and then i think i shouldn't and therefore when i shouldn't i should do something in order for it to not be here and that doubles down on its its um its propensity to stick around <laughs> i would say and uh there's a phrase that um is quite profound but also quite glib at times what we resist persists. And it's quite a glib phrase on one instance, but it's absolutely true at the same time. If I'm trying to fight a feeling, I'm thinking more about that feeling and thinking more about something that's caused by thought ain't going to do a darn thing other than double down from what I've seen anyway. When I'm resisting what I'm feeling, it keeps it in place longer. And if anything, it just makes me feel more of a, a dumb son of a gun. I was going to say something else. Um, <laughs> because it looks like I should be able to change how I feel. And that's not Win's job. Thankfully. But what is up for grabs is my relationship with everything I can think and everything I can feel in my life. That is up for grabs my relationship
4: to
3: it.
4: And I don't think there's an end to how deeply I can see the relationship to those things. I don't think the
1: levels of which I can, levels of consciousness, for want of a better phrase, level of understanding of seeing what's really going on in this life and this existence. And I don't want to chase that either.
4: Because that will take care of itself. And meanwhile,
1: I'm amazed that I can find it possible that me, that I can find it possible to enjoy the fact I'm alive.
4: I didn't think I could do that. And I still have the feelings and the moods that I always struggled with since I was born.
2: What I love, I love, you know, those precious moments of seeing our relationship with thought. You know, like the the yoga example,
3: you know, like
0: what do I need to do? How much yoga do I need to do to not think about food or what I'm doing or overthinking, realizing that overthinking took the enjoyment and then you, when you see that and, you, and the, the layers of all the chatter and the conversation about it, you know, start to fall away.
2: And I seem to find this about almost everything. Okay, maybe everything. So when all that, that mental chatter falls away, dissolves into stillness, there's love. Love for things like getting on a mat and moving around. Love for children and partners and friends and family. And it doesn't mean that maybe later today or tomorrow I won't (laughs) I won't get frustrated with all my thoughts. It looks real. But it doesn't take those other times. It doesn't make them any less precious. You know, how many times have we read somewhere or heard somewhere that we are unconditional? And yet sometimes it still can surprise me that that's what's under all my, all my noise. An attachment. I wonder if one day I'll find unconditional love for my own thinking, no matter how it shows up.
4: If you're watching the video, you might've seen my eyes kind of like narrow a few times since you said that, because this is in my opinion. For you to say what you've just said that must have happened at least once.
3: Yeah.
2: It has. Mm. You've been listening to Under the Noise. Thank you, Wyn.
3: Thank you. Kate.
2: <laughs> if you have any
0: questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Our details pop follow the podcast. <clears throat> Hope you have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynne or Kate at, win at Winning.co.uk and kate at
2: katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.